When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Nix makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary on the final play of the half. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. I always thought, for whatever reason, this song in particular, you got to remember, what was this, 2000 and 2003, 2004, when this song came out? Can you believe we live in a world where this song is 20 years old? And it's crazy. It's crazy. And especially considering I remember it because I was, this was like the hit of... It reminds me of Posh, which was a, a dance a club inside the Garden City Hotel in Garden City, Long Island, Nassau County. And for whatever reason, that this was the song that the year or so, I, every every time you went there, you heard this before, for the little bit of, that they would play hip-hop or whatever before they went into their house music, and I just sat in the corner and, and drank and didn't uh, dance because I just, house music and techno music is not my thing. Uh, but anyway, it just every time I hear that song, it reminds me of that. There are songs that just bring back instant memories. And I'm not just all Beatles and classic rock, okay? I'm not. I, I'm, I'm a, 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 as Joe Beningo likes to say, I'm a multifaceted dude. I like a lot of different music. I just happen to love the Beatles. Uh, and it's unique to me a little bit for someone who's 40 years old. But yeah, man, that song, it ran our lives for a year. That was as big as it gets. Usher, who's going to be the Super Bowl halftime performance? So I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of that. Maybe uh, little John, um, little John will be out there screaming, "Yeah!" with him. Yeah. Twenty years—that's crazy. It is crazy how long. Twenty years ago, that song was unbelievable. It's amazing how fast things go. We're closer. We're closer to 2040 than we are that song. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Well, it was nineteen ninety seven. The last time the Michigan Wolverines were champions, and Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have accomplished it. I got a couple calls last night. We'll see. You know, a lot of people are upset that it's a dirty, tainted championship, but I just I view the entire college football as dirty and tainted. I have to be honest with you. I just do. I still think they deserve to be here. I think they proved that the scandal's behind them. They're no longer cheating. And they dominated this football game from the onset. I mean, they just ran the ball uh, down their throat. Washington's defense looked like it didn't show up the first quarter. And then they settled in and held them to really just until the the the, the interception late. I mean, they were held, they held them to pretty much three points the entire second half until the, the game became a blowout late in the game. But... Uh, early on, they were running down their throat, and the story for us, really, I don't think anyone considers J.J. McCarthy as a guy, and he had an awful game, too. I mean, he was 10 for 8. He didn't have to have a good game, but, I mean, they he struggled on third down. He was 10 for 18, 140 yards, uh, a 58.3 quarterback rating. Michael Penix Jr. went 27 for 51, 255 yards, uh, one touchdown, two interceptions. 62.9 QPR, and he was awful in the game. They both weren't very good. Michigan was able to play a little bit better defense. Michigan was able to run the ball early and get a couple touchdowns. 
uh, and take a 17 to three lead. And then we're able to just hold on until the end when it fell apart uh, for Washington. But the game was pretty much a, a touchdown game for a lot of the second half. Um, and it looked like Michigan, whenever you're, you're dominating the football game and it's only 17, 10 at the half, you're, you're worried that the, that this could be a problem. And ultimately it wasn't for Michigan. They played well enough to win. And now Harbaugh, who's won a title and has done, and I talked about this last night too. Now Harbaugh is going to really, we're going to see what happens in, 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 as we are getting more and more firings in the NFL, um, you're going to see Harbaugh's name and you're going to see Belichick's name. Obviously, those will be the two coaches on the market that almost any team, I mean, almost any team, including both of our New York teams, are going to be scrambling as safe as coaches may be. Those are the two hires that are always a possibility. Always a possibility. Because Jim Harbaugh is an excellent head coach. And now he's done everything he can accomplish. There's nothing else for him to do. He's won the national championship. He's had his undefeated national championship season. He's dominated Ohio State for the last four or five years. Uh, he's done everything you can do. And the only thing left for him there is to just, you know, attempt to do it again and become a legend or become, you know, Alabama North or venture back into the NFL and see if you can get back to a Super Bowl and this time win it. I I, I think he's going to, and right now the, the question is him and Michigan, the contract offer has stipulations for the NFL. So it's, it's kind of like this year or never, or at least it feels that way this year, or at least it's done with the year in and year out speculation, which it's been for the last handful of years. But I mean, name a team, you know, if the Bears have the number one pick, that's uh, Iberflus. Bye. I know you've. Pl- I know you coached. You know better the second half of the year, and the team rallied uh, around uh, your quarterback and played much better. And the minute Montez Sweat came there, the defense transformed, and you won a lot of games down the stretch and actually had a decent season. But Harbaugh wants to come here. He loves the number one pick. He loves Williams. He wants to build moving forward with Caleb Williams. Bye. Like, there's a lot of situations where you could say, like, even the Giants. I'm screwing it's Brian Dable's team. Like, let's be totally honest. If you're not sure about Brian Dable, right now, if the, the feeling around John Mara is, ultimately, I don't see the success. I don't know how they how we get a quarterback for him to develop. Uh, I feel like there's too much turmoil. He's arguing with everybody. He was unable to make it work with Wink. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a little bit of a problem on our hands, and we can go out and get one of the greatest coaches in NFL history and Bill Belichick who loves this franchise, or we can go get a Jim Harbaugh who's the toast of the town right now, just won a national championship and not too shabby at developing quarterbacks himself. Like, would you be, I mean, as much as I like Brian Brian Dable, you bring in either one of those two guys, how do you argue? How do you argue? And certainly as Jet fans here, I'm going to get to the Jets right now. I mean, if you could supplant, if, if, I mean, with Rodgers, it's a disaster. It's with Rodgers. It's real tough to bring in those two coaches right now. Rodgers wants to run this team. Rodgers doesn't want two guys who are absolute star power. Who, when they come here, they get the keys to the castle, and Rod and Rodgers is the one being being told how things are done. Like right now, Rodgers doesn't want that. So that would be. I mean, if you could bring in Harbaugh, obviously Belichick doesn't want to come here. But if you could bring in Harbaugh to the Jets, it changes things. But. Can you make it work? Do you give up on Aaron Rodgers at that point? Because I think you'd probably have to. 
And I don't know if the team is willing to do that. I don't know if Woody Johnson's willing to do that. I just I don't know. But it's a question that's going to be answered if he decides to four-way uh, his way back into the NFL. But the other thing with the New York Jets, obviously, is everyone spoke today. You saw uh, Douglas speak, and Aaron Rodgers even spoke a little bit. And Aaron Rodgers said something that I have to admit. As much as I love Aaron Rodgers, and I know I'm late on this, usually I'm I, I, a lot of the times I'm the first one to react to games, to different things. Every once in a while, I'm the last one to talk on stuff. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers making a comment that I just can't believe he doesn't understand pertains to him. And, and again, I love him. I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, always have been. I just respect the way he plays the game. He's one of the more accurate, on-the-run, incredible performers I've ever seen. It's For me, the two best Sunday-to-Sunday, week-in-and-week-out quarterbacks I've ever seen uh, is Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers. Those are my two where I'm just like, every week they are as good as you can possibly be. Uh, they run their offense. They're incredibly accurate. They're they're just remarkable. Those are the two. Now I know Tom Brady's the greatest. Tom Brady won six Super Bowl seven now with the with the Bucks. I, I'm not saying they're better than Tom Brady. What I'm saying is week to week, the ability to play the position at such a high level, run the offense, run the team. I would say in my lifetime of watching football regularly every week, as many games as I can. Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers are the two best quarterbacks I've seen week to week. And so I've always loved this game. And I think the Jets, honestly, I believe what Robert Sala said the other day. I believe that the Jets are closer than you think. And I think Aaron Rodgers coming back, playing, being healthy with the rest of this roster, and now tweaking it and having a full season of watching and and learning what their real problems are, having an answer on Mekhi Becton, which is... No. Having an answer on some things, watching uh, the way this team played and having a better understanding of what you need at the quarterback position, at the offensive line position, and all those different things, I think they're going to be better off for it. And I think next year, as long as Aaron Rodgers plays and is Aaron Rodgers, that this team is absolutely right there to compete inside this AFC. There's no doubt in my mind. But for Aaron Rodgers, when talking about the team, and he vaguely referenced something like this, when he was on Pat McAfee a few weeks ago and talked about uh, the leaks, uh, it was right around the time that the that Joe Beningo was was given the the text out that him and Robert Sala exchange and like there were leaks inside the building and he was talking about all oh, these leaks need to stop they, this needs to stop and now today or yesterday talking about what needs to happen moving forward for Aaron Rodgers to say that the the BS needs to stop. And everything not about winning needs to stop. Now, he he did preface it or say it a couple times as in in the building. And I'm sure in the building, he's on the straight and narrow and contributes nothing to the BS. But outside the building, he is nothing but BS with Pat McAfee. He is nothing but BS with his opinions on different things. Now, I'm not saying people aren't entitled to their opinions. And I'm not even saying he shouldn't do Pat McAfee. I won't even go that far. If he wants to do Pat McAfee, it's a free country. Go do Pat McAfee. Understand what it is, though, and don't lecture the rest of the team on not creating BS. That's the issue. You want to do Pat McAfee and talk about ayahuasca and talk about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and and talk about everything else that infiltrates this team and give answers on a team you're not even playing for or around every day and everything else that went with those Pat McAfee interviews week in and week out, 
If you want to do all that, that's fine. That's fine with me because it's a free country. Make your money, do your interview, get your opinions out there. As long as you're playing, as long as you do what's right by the team, that's fine. But then don't get all high and mighty and tell us everything else but football needs to end. Everything that's not pertaining to winning needs to end. And then preface it by saying, in this building, when you step through those walls, it's not some of the time, it's not most of the time, it's every time, everything you do has to be pertained to winning and have a purpose. Well, that's easy to say when you're on the outside looking in saying all kinds of BS on Pat McAfee to the point where now you've got late-night hosts and Jimmy Kimmel doing full seven-minute monologues just on you, Karen Rogers, as Jimmy Kimmel called him, and pretty much went after his intelligence and the idea that he thinks he's uh, smart on things he has no education in. And maybe we'll play some cuts of it. I know Marco was going through. We'll play some cuts of Jimmy Kimmel and his open on Aaron Rodgers because it was fun. It's just, you know, it's nonsense. It's a bunch of BS, Aaron. It's a bunch of BS you've you've created. So I have to admit, as much as I love him, as much as I think he's one of the great quarterbacks to ever live and the best quarterback, the best quarterback to ever play for the New York Jets, and as much as I think they are a healthy Aaron Rodgers away from being a legitimate not only just playoff team, but legitimate threat inside the AFC, I still think that is one of the more unaware comments I've ever heard to lecture this team and talk about how everything else needs to stop when you are literally creating most of the nonsense and BS. What other BS came from this team? Text messages with Joe Beningo? Like, honestly, losing came with this team. That's it. Losing. I don't remember a lot of storylines created inside this team that you know they they did other than losing and questions about the quarterback position and pleading the fifth from the head coach when he doesn't want to tell you, hey, listen, I'm being forced to start the quarterback. Like everything was football. Unfortunately for the Jets and their fan base, their football is BS. But they, I, I don't really remember unless I'm wrong and Fliegelman can help me out. I don't remember any real controversy or issues created not having to do with football inside that room other than you, Aaron Rodgers. So please, I'm not even telling you to stop doing the Pat McAfee interview. I'm I'm just not. It would probably be best for the team, but you do you. But if you're going to do you, don't be lecturing other people on stopping the BS. It's absolutely atrocious. It's absolutely, it's, it's arrogant and it's ridiculous. You want no BS? Then stop doing interviews. You want no BS? Stop promoting hallucinogenics. And not that I'm even against what you, but this is the BS you create. How could you not realize you are the center of the BS universe? How could you not realize it? You know, a couple, a couple of leaks he's referring to. Like, what else? So please, Aaron, just play some football. Because you do it better than almost anyone on the planet. I still think you got game in you. And I still think you could lead this team to, dare I say it, their first Super Bowl appearance since 1969. And I know I know, Jet fans don't agree with me. I understand that. I think this defense is legitimately good enough to do it. And I think if they add another wide receiver weapon or another pass game weapon, which you know they desperately need, but whether it's Devontae Adams, which I don't know how gung-ho I'd be about trading major draft assets for a... Uh, 
uh, a player of his age. I still think he's tremendous. I think he's a very good player, and he'll help this team. I don't know if I'd be willing to do that necessarily, and especially another Aaron Rodgers guy when it hasn't worked out yet with Aaron Rodgers guys, but if you you got to bring in another weapon somehow. And I think if they do that and they fix the offensive line a little bit, but a lot of the stuff Aaron Rodgers fixes on his own. I still believe in all of that. Just please, please stop saying the BS needs to stop when you are the one creating it. That's all. And some of the stuff Joe Douglas said in this press conference, I'll tell you the one thing that Joe Douglas said that was, I thought, 100% on the mark and exactly what I wanted to hear from him. But despite the fact that he said he believed going into the year they had a good plan for the quarterback position, that was ridiculous. But for him to at least acknowledge that the problem with this team is not overcoming adversity. And for me, when he says they didn't overcome adversity and it's all on him, he is talking about not having a better plan at the backup quarterback, not having the wherewithal to go out there and make moves once the injury happened. He gave his team no opportunity, none, no opportunity to overcome adversity. They just allowed adversity to wash over them. And early on, they overcame it, and so they thought they could long-term, and it was terribly, terrible thinking. Early on, they win that game against Buffalo anyway, and then they go on the run there three and three at Dubai. Then they beat the Giants and they're four and three, and they thought they were overcoming adversity, adversity, and not realizing it was fool's gold, and not realizing that it was with smoke and mirrors, and they needed to do far, far better. And that is on him. And I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers, uh, other than the owner telling him you cannot do anything. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers had to say. I don't care how much you feel you deserve that Zach Wilson deserved uh, the opportunity when you know what? I'm not even sure how this we we've heard comments from the coach and honestly when you hear Douglas talk, I'm not even sure how like behind he was in in drafting the quarterback. I mean, I, it's just a, it's a it's a unique situation where they are. But at least he did recognize that he was the reason why they didn't overcome adversity because he did not attempt to help them. And this year, going into it with a 40-year-old quarterback recovering from an Achilles heel injury, no matter how well he recovered from it, that's what we're dealing with. You have got to have a better plan to move forward in case adversity hits, particularly in the quarterback department. Because everywhere else you could live with adversity. Like right now, obviously, Brees Hall is imperative to what they do. And Brees Hall is, is arguably their best offensive player, and Brees Hall, after having a full year removed from the surgery, should probably be even better next year. But you can live without him if that adversity hits. Wilson is as good a wide receiver, a young wide receiver, and talented. I think, unfortunately, we haven't seen what he's capable of because of the quarterback room. But we understand that Garrett Wilson is super talented. We understand Garrett Wilson is frustrated by his comments talking about this is the worst year of his life and it can't continue this way, and he's 100% correct. As great as he is, as right now, without adding more options, he's the one guy in this passing attack you believe in and you and you uh, you know could fashion an offense around. You could even live with that disappointment. You can even live with that, but you can't live with the quarterback situation. Not again. You have to come up with a legitimate plan 
to have someone step in if Aaron Rodgers goes down. Plain and simple. 877-337-6666. Lou and Asbury. What's up, Lou? Yeah, what's up, buddy? How you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Good. About a year ago when um, I found out that the Packers were kind of part ways with Rodgers, I, I mean, you couldn't believe it because, like you said, he is a generational talent. I mean, there's really no quarterback like him. I mean, um, as far as his pure skill and everything else. But but as time went, goes by and, 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 and you're not winning. Now, I'm not saying it's not his fault that the Jets aren't winning because it's not. But well. the fact still remains the Jets aren't winning. Mm-hmm. He He – becomes kind of like a toxic girlfriend who you just almost realize why the Packers were just like, you know what? I'm, I'm done here. I don't want to be bothered because the more he talks and the more the Jets are not doing well, the more I find myself getting sick of them faster and faster. Well, of course, yeah, I, I totally understand that. And I agree with it because he didn't play. All he's doing totally is the talking. That. All he's doing is the talking. They they they're losing, but he's not playing. It would be oh, I agree. if they if they if they were if he was playing and they were losing, and, and it would be worse that he well that he's not playing. What the Packers had to deal with. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Packers situation's different. I understand that they that Love stepped in and had a nice season. Uh, he played very well. I still don't think the team's very good. I expect them to probably get you know really beat up by the Cowboys. But they won a game final year, winning and getting it home. And and Rodgers was unable to do it last year. And I get that's, all that. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I that's get that. The game I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I get that. And I get that they they were frustrated with him. And I, but it's a different circumstance with with the Jets and him. And the, he was with the Packers for forever. He was the Packers. They they sure. draft they drafted him. They made him wait forever with with uh, Favre. Then they bring him in, and they don't draft a single guy, not a single offensive weapon for him in his entire tenure as the uh, quarterback of the Packers. And then the first offensive player they do draft is his replacement when he still feels like he's capable of winning MVPs, which, by the way, he went on to win two more after Love he was did. drafted. So I and think his frustration... Wide receivers. Right. I, I get it. I, his I get frustration it. with that organization and the way things were handled over a decade of working and, and living together is not the same as one year with the Jets. It's just, it's not. There's no reason. No, to, it, I mean, there's, there's not, no reason to be sick of him. There's no reason for, the, for him to have the same ill will towards the Jets. Like, that's a unique situation. The problem is he didn't play. Plain and simple, he didn't play. And, and and all the narratives around him in Green Bay, he's not good with the young players. He's an unhappy guy. He's this. He's that. Every every bit of that changed with the Jets. Every bit of it. None of that was the same. He went out immediately with Sauce Gardner. He went out immediately with Brees Hall. He went out immediately and and, and created a bond and a relationship with uh, with both Wilsons, Garrett and Zach. Like, and and I think part of it is a, it, it's a little bit self centered and a little bit. Um, you know, selfish to to insist on Zach Wilson. To I think part of it was to change the narrative of him in love and him not being willing to kind of mentor the next guy. But I understand his bitterness. Like I, I understand his bitterness with Green Bay. I do. And whether or not you should be able to overcome that, and whether or not you should be a better teammate, or whether or not, like I understand after years with a team where you've done everything for them, he's done nothing for the Jets. He's literally done nothing for the Jets. He did a whole, he did a decade of owning the NFC North for the for the Packers, and to still feel like you can play and in the prime of your career 
and still have the ability to win MVPs, which he clearly did because he went out and won MVPs, to draft your replacement then instead of giving him more weapons to go win a championship, I get the frustration. I get it. And I get why it became toxic, toxic between him and the Packers. I do. It changed when he came here. It's a different thing. He just got voted the Dennis Bird most inspirational player by the uh, by the players. They love him. He is beloved in that building. Every player there believes that the Jets with Aaron Rodgers is a Super Bowl caliber team. And every player on that team knew they weren't with Zach Wilson. Just that alone. And I'm just telling you, in my opinion, just that alone makes an enormous difference. The power of belief. I joke about it, but it's something real. This is the same group of players that last year begged for Mike White and then threw a party when they got him, and they saw Zach Wilson play. They never believed in Zach Wilson. They think Aaron Rodgers walks on water. That is an enormous difference. And plus, he's far better. He needs to play. Everything changes if Aaron Rodgers plays. So let me just be clear. I have no problem with Aaron Rodgers creating the BS. I think it's minimal BS. I think some more significant than others. You know, I'm not sure he actually, and I'm sure this is what he's going to say tomorrow to in response to the Jimmy Kimmel stuff, probably make a, a snide comment back at Jimmy or something along those lines. But I think his point's going to be, I never insinuated he was on the list. I insinuated he laughed at me when I suggested the list was coming out and that his political leanings would be involved in it. And so now he doesn't want to see it because he's obviously leans that way politically. And like he, that's what he's going to say. He's, he's going to say something along those lines where I didn't suggest he would be unhappy because he's on it. Uh, he'd be unhappy because of who's on it. Like He's going to along those lines say something like that. But, yeah, whenever that kind of stuff, that was a, a bridge too far, and I thought it was silly, and he shouldn't have said anything about it. And he probably, and he was dared to apologize by Jimmy Kimmel pretty much. At the end of the monologue, Jimmy Kimmel pretty much dares him to apologize. And I don't know if he will or not. But I think the BS surrounding Aaron Rodgers, if he plays and wins, is tolerable. So I'm not saying, stop creating the BS, Aaron. Stop doing your interviews, Aaron. Cut the crap, Aaron, because as long as he plays, I don't think it's that big a deal. As long as his his play can talk on Sunday, I don't care what happens on Tuesday. The problem was there was no play talking on Sunday. It was strictly talking on Tuesday. So I have no problem with the Aaron Rodgers BS and what comes with his great play. The problem is when he starts pointing fingers or insinuating the rest of everybody else needs to stop with the BS. That's my problem because he's the BS. Which, again, I'm fine with as long as he brings me the MVPs since we're doing uh, acronyms. The BS is fine as long as the MVP play comes with it and brings them to an SB. Because I see why I am, am I, in case you missed it. They haven't been to one since 1969. That took me way too long. I'm not done. I'm done with acronyms now. 877-337-6666. McMonigle here with you on the fan. We'll come back. Continue to take your phone calls on the football. There's still stuff to do 
With the baseball, as we wait, the, I, we talked about the Mets uh, signing last night. The Yankees added another infielder to the team. Not much. We are playing the waiting game to see what happens with both of these teams still trying to figure out their rotation. We'll get to that, as well as what are the Giants going to do with Saquon Barkley? And do you believe them when they say they believe in Daniel Jones? Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. One thirty-six. McMonagle here with you, and I don't buy it. I'll tell you right now, I don't buy it. I don't buy the amount of faith that Joe Shane reinforced about Daniel Jones. I just don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't. I'm not sure how much I take from any of the interview, especially now after they flat out lied about Wink Martindale. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Mike Kafka gets fired. Right, nothing would surprise me right now. I do not believe them when they tell you that they have full faith in Daniel Jones, that they still have faith in him after the injury, that they still look at him exactly the same, and he's their guy. I don't believe it at all. I think they are right now in the sixth pick of a draft where there's going to be quarterbacks taken, and they're not going to give their hand away saying, yeah, we're done with Daniel Jones. And that's the right thing to do. And because he's still probably going to be the quarterback next year. But I just refuse to believe. I refuse to believe that these two guys who haven't had their guy are not going to attempt to get a quarterback. I, I, I just, for, for a quarterback who's now injured two of the last three years, who was awful when he played this year, who was awful. Tyrod Taylor was better than Daniel Jones this year. That's just the truth. You can give me all – that'll call me up, and the offensive line got better, and, and Andrew Thomas came back, and this and that. Yeah, true. On some level, the offensive line got better. Certainly, Andrew Thomas did come back. And I don't even think that Tyrod Taylor was that was that good, quite honestly. But at least he made plays. At least he threw the ball down the field. Daniel Jones gave you one good half this year and, and then was hurt, whether it was his neck or whether it was his knee – hurt. Again, Daniel Jones, as much as I do think he's a talented guy and under the right set of circumstances can win in this league, Daniel Jones doesn't score enough points. Daniel Jones doesn't get the ball in the end zone. Daniel Jones doesn't win games and Daniel Jones doesn't play. I I don't know what else to say. And I can't imagine a team of a GM and a head coach who literally got their jobs developing and drafting. And not only that, tell me again that 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 you didn't see what I saw, that Brian Dable didn't look rejuvenated in some ways when he was able to get what he got out of Tommy DeVito. I think the ability to get the kind of play he got and the storyline he got and the wins he got by taking a quarterback that they didn't even trust to throw the football against the Jets and transform him into a quarterback making big-time plays against the aforementioned Green Bay Packers and and Love, a team that is now getting ready for the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. 
you can't tell me. I, I watched him on the sideline. He was rejuvenated. Yes, they were winning, so that always helps. But I think there's something to the idea of him getting and develop getting the most out of and developing a quarterback. I think that's what Brian Dable does best. And I don't believe them. I don't care. I mo- most of the time I take people at their word. I say it all the time. I take coaches, I take GMs, I take them at their word. Right now, considering it is now draft season, considering they do not want to give up anything, and considering they just lied about the defensive coordinator and Wink Martindale and the idea that he was coming back, they knew as they sat there that they were going to fire his right-hand man. Add that to the idea that they've been squabbling this entire year. They knew, if not that he was gone, that there was a very strong possibility he was gone. And they sat there very comfortably and just told you, oh, yeah, no, we expect Wink back. Wink was n- was never coming back. Now we learn that. Wink was never coming back. All of this talk leading up to it the last handful of weeks since the Glazer report was all nonsense. He was always gone. Why? Because it's Brian Dable's team, and I'm fully on board. And what do you do with a Brian Dable team? You give him a quarterback to develop. Plain and simple. You give him a quarterback to develop. Let's go get it done. 877 877- Three three seven sixty six sixty six. Dave and Muncie, what's up, Dave? Hey, Big Mac, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I love the show. Um, usually agree with your points. I'm a big Giants fan here. Um, I do not agree that we should be moving up to the number one spot. Um, can you give me like a minute or two to explain yeah, sure. why? Please, good. Um, first of all, um, who if you draft a let's say you trade up to one, you draft Caleb Williams. Who's uh, starting this year for you, Caleb Williams or Daniel Jones? Um. Yeah, probably still. Assuming Dan- everyone's healthy. Uh, if Daniel Jones is ready, week one, probably Daniel Jones. So you're having a, a number one overall pick when you don't re- when you need other slots to be filled mm-hmm. as as a backup. Um, I actually want to make a trade with the Beers, and I want to get Justin Fields. He's a one year risk. You have him and Daniel Jones. You you build up well, the team a little bit, and you draft a franchise quarterback next year. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Um, a couple things with that problem. One, your first point, very valid. That I'm, I'm trading up and giving up draft, draft assets for a kid. I'm drafting. I have five years of control, and I'm giving one up to be a bench player. That is a a, a very um, fair argument. The, but where you go next, I, I don't see the logic in. Why would you trade? And I heard um, Evan and Tiki talk about this, too. Why would you trade for love? If we're both assuming Daniel Jones is going to play, why would I trade? Whatever I got to trade, and he's still going to be valuable. I mean, the guy did put up numbers. The guy has won football games. He was a top draft pick and a quarterback. He's going to take some draft assets to get him. I'm going to bring a quarterback in here and then have one year of control and probably not play him for Daniel Jones because I'm paying Daniel Jones forty million dollars. Why would I? Why would I bring in in Fields here like that? That if I'm bringing in Fields, I'm playing him, plain and simple. So I mean, that, that so doesn't you- make any sense to me. Uh, at all, and then drafting next year, I'm hoping not to lose. I'm hoping not to be in the top five, six picks again next year. I'm hoping to actually win some football games. I'm hoping to get better and win. So I, I, I don't want to be in the top five next year. I don't want to be in a position to tra- to trade up or to draft a quarterback um, at the top of the draft. Well, if you do win some games this year, that means your core is much better, and you can afford to trade up next year. If if you're gonna, if, yeah, but if, it's, if the core it, still sucks after yeah, this year. Yeah, but trade year, up then... from where? 
Trade up from where? It doesn't trade make a up difference. from. Of course it does. Try, trading up from one to from six to one makes a lot makes a lot more sense and is less expensive than trading up from fifteen. So, so who who's your backup this year? You're gonna you're gonna use uh, you're yeah gonna the kid the kid the, 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 the kids the backup or Devito's the backup or whomever yeah. And and who's your starting offensive line? Your starting receivers. You, you have too much, the Giants have too many holes. Yeah, they have but, no pass rush. Yeah, and well, they they got to get better pass rush. I think they have a guy in 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 Thibodeau who could get more with a different defensive coordinator. That's the one thing I'm trying to sell myself on the positive: a different scheme that actually could use Thibodeau in the best way possible and have him get after the quarterback more often. But who's going to start the offensive line? I don't know. I'm going to have to go. Uh, I'm going to have to go get him. Uh, I have to figure I mean, it out because I, I, I who I thought Evan Neal was going to start when I drafted him seventh overall, and he's been an absolute bust. I mean, I thought. I, 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 I mean, I, 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 Andrew Thomas is going to start. How's that help the offensive line? You make it sound like if I don't take this pick, I can draft an offensive lineman and change my fortunes. They just drafted a young center. Everybody likes. How'd that help the offensive line? They trade. They draft I, Will Hernandez with the second with the top pick in the second round. How'd that impact the offensive line? I just think that if you think about it, they need a they need another corner. They need. They, oh, they, they need a lot. It, it, they need a lot. They need a but corner. They, they need a safety. They need at least two people. They the need the corner. They, they need a safety. They need a, they, need, they need a running back. They, they need a well, receiver. They got a they running back, but okay. Linemen. Yeah, they need all that. 100% need all of it. And, and, we're, and we're getting a franchise quarterback to sit? It doesn't make any sense. No, I completely disagree with you because you know what? He's you can get killed you behind can get, the line. He's no, going to get killed. No, he's not. No, maybe, but maybe not. I mean, we'll see. But, I mean, great quarterbacks overcome, and they'll have to figure out the offensive line. You make it sound like they'll fix the offensive line with all these picks. We have no idea. You have no idea if they'll fix it. And you know what? Even if they do, like all those players, they can get a lineman, they can get a, a defensive back, they can get the wide receiver. None of it matters if you don't have a quarterback. Like they don't have a quarterback anymore. They need a they need the franchise quarterback. All those players, you get them right, it still doesn't impact the team in the same way. This is a unique situation. They are in a position to get a quarterback and a quarterback draft heavy with a coach who's perfect at developing quarterbacks, who does it as well as anyone in the NFL, who got his job because he did it with Josh Allen. And Josh Allen's gotten a little bit worse since he left. Like, this is the guy to do it with. They're in a position to do it. Now's the time. And you do. I do like the idea of giving him the clipboard for one year and have two years to go out there and try and fix the offensive line for him. Just to assume he's going to get killed behind an offensive line. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times in a playoff game that he won and took a team to the Super Bowl. Not everybody, just because we saw a 37-year-old Eli Manning and then uh, Daniel Jones be hampered by a bad offensive line does not mean every quarterback can't do it. Just because we saw Zach Wilson be ruined by an offensive line, a poor offensive line play on some level, doesn't mean any. those guys aren't very good at it. You watch. The same offensive line for the, for the Jets will be far better with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. Far better. Far better. He will understand the scheme better. He will, under, he will put them in a better position. He'll be able to check out of plays. He'll get rid of the ball quicker. He won't take bad sacks. He will be far better. The offensive line will be far better with him. You think the Texans' offensive line suddenly became great? You think Nico Collins is some sort of stud-wide receiver? 
or was it C.J. Stroud changed them from a loser to a division champion? Which one do you think it is? That suddenly every, in one year everything got much better? Or did they draft the right quarterback and change their franchise forever? What do you think? Jesse in Queens. What's up, Jesse? Hey, Chris. What's up? Uh, what's up? Uh, Giants. Assuming Williams and uh, Mayer off the board, mm-hmm. who would you take? I mean, which quarterback do you have an eye on? Because um, I like Penix, I like Daniels, but I'm not sure who is the more uh, – who would I, I would take. After? I would take Daniels over Penix. Um, I would take Daniels if I could. Uh, I was just looking. Someone sent me the um, the mock draft for uh, P uh, uh, PFP uh, P, um, uh, yeah pro, yeah uh, and they they have uh, uh, him available uh, with the sixth pick. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be there. I don't know how how crazy. This quarterback, I don't know. I mean, right now you would think that Washington and the Patriots are both going to take quarterbacks, you would think. And the Bears, I mean, that first pick is definitely going to be a quarterback. So, I mean, right now it's hard to not think that all three, Williams, May, and Daniels, go off the board one, two, three. And if that's the case, then, yeah, I understand why they might look at uh, uh, the wide receiver out of LSU or they might want to look at the tackle out of Penn State or the tackle out of Notre Dame. Like, I could see all that as opposed to the quarterback. I'm not saying draft any quarterback by I don't care who it is. That's not what I'm saying. I'm part of, I might be confusing people by saying if the Giants draft one, it doesn't matter, I'll be excited, because I don't think they would unless they really liked him. Unless, Dan, unless Brian Dable and Joe Shane really love the kid, I don't think they would draft him. So even if it's a name we didn't like, I didn't think of, I would have faith that they did it for a reason, and I'll believe in that, so I'll get excited. But at the same time, I'm not saying if those three quarterbacks are all gone and then they're picking sixth, I'm not saying force a quarterback. That's why I'm talking about trading up. Right now, before I get to the draft, I think the Giants, and Joe Shane in particular, obviously, Brian Dable should be figuring out which quarterback he wants, and then Joe Shane and Brian Dable need to figure out how is that? What's the best way for them to secure getting that quarterback? They should still be on that up until the moment it's no longer feasible. And again, yeah. I'm not saying any quarterback by any means necessary. If 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 one, two, three, four are all quarterbacks and they don't believe in the fifth quarterback, then draft someone else. But they got to figure out how to get in those top four picks. Then, like, yeah, I'm need, still on that. They need to to get it. They need to they need to get up and and trade up because. I'm tired of Daniel Jones, DeVito, yeah, Tyron Taylor. Those, those those guys will never take you. No, you know, and I don't think. Yeah, and I don't think. And Jesse, thank you for the call. I don't think Tyrod Taylor was ever thought of. Tyrod Taylor is a backup in case something goes wrong. Tyrod because Daniel Jones gets hurt, and unfortunately, so does Tyrod Taylor constantly. But Daniel Jones gets hurt, so the Giants, like a smart GM, like Joe Douglas should have done, the Giants knew they had a quarterback who had a neck injury. They had a quarterback who gets hurt, who's missed time in almost every year of his career. And so they went out and got Tyrod Taylor, a legitimate backup quarterback. Which, if the, if the Jets had Tyrod Taylor, they might be playing this weekend. But no one thinks Tyrod Taylor is the future of the team. There's a chance he's on the team, but it'll be in the same role as the backup quarterback. There's still a thought that Daniel Jones can be the guy. I'm tired of chasing that dream. How many years do you need to see it? How many years? How many years can we say we haven't we don't know yet because of this, because of that? 
I'm tired of playing that game. And they paid him. Like, he gets this next year because you can't get out of the contract. And then we'll see what happens. But I want to go in there with a quarterback and because I don't want to be in the top six next year. I don't want to be drafting here again. I want to win some football games. Now it's time to win. They had their down year. It's time to win. And I'm, I'm just I'm so tired of it. So tired of what Daniel Jones could be. And if Daniel Jones had this. And I'm so tired of the excuses. Oh, look what happened. Do you think these guys would be great without a great wide receiver? You you know, what do you think, uh, you know, Tua would be in the MVP conversation without uh, Hill? And no, he wouldn't be. I, I get that. One, I'm not even sure how good Tua is without all those weapons. That's fine. You're right. So, yeah, get get four of the fastest men on the planet to play for the Giants. And then maybe the offense and a great offensive coach with a great offensive scheme. And maybe Daniel Jones can put up some points. We've never seen it. We've never seen it. I'm tired of playing that game. That's all. I'm tired of it. How many years can we go into a season going, uh, we need to answer the Daniel Jones question once and for all? We've done that three years running. Three years running. And when he got hurt, then the uh, we didn't really kind of, uh, to be fair, we didn't go into that this year with it because he got the contract. But once he got hurt, then the question was, oh, man, and now we don't know about Daniel Jones. I'm tired of that. I want a franchise quarterback where if he blows out his knee, I know he's coming back next year to be our franchise quarterback. And that's just not Daniel Jones anymore. It's just not. And so I don't believe it. I'm sorry, I just don't. I don't believe. I don't believe that they honestly want to take Daniel Jones and bring him back. I don't believe it. I think they're looking to draft someone. And we'll see what happens in the draft. And I would move up. I would trade. I would move heaven and earth to move up into this draft if I'm the Giants. I just would. I would do anything I could. And if I'm the Jets, it's the same. It's bring bring back Rodgers, cut out the BS, and go about winning. And we'll see what happens with, with, with their situation. I thought Joe Douglas had a pretty good press conference. I, I understand they've, they've been hampered by, by a, a terrible draft pick. They've been set back, and it can happen. And if that's your argument, I get it. It's fair. If the Giants draft the wrong quarterback, like a Zach Wilson, it sets you back because you chase it for two or three years, bare minimum. But if you get it right, it changes everything. 877-337-6666. All right, two hours down, three more to go on our five-hour midnight ride, taking your phone calls on the football and the Giants and Jets. Giants fire or, you know, pretty much do everything they can to get Wink Martindale to resign. They'll be looking for a new defensive coordinator. And the Jets run it back, but hopefully, as long as Aaron Rodgers is in charge, they'll cut out the BS and get about winning. Should be fun. 877-337-6666. The Rangers, I'm watching the highlight now. I told you, I'm concerned with these performances. As great a team as they are, there's too many times, and they've been one of the best teams in hockey. There are too many times where, you know, a two-goal deficit or two goals in the first period end up being five or six goals. And I understand it's not all on Igor, and he had some good saves in this game, and the defense in front of him didn't play well, but he did let in a couple of easy ones. I'm I'm a little concerned about Igor and this team because we've seen what happens in the postseason. The goals stop. The goals don't don't flow the same way they do in the regular season. And to give up as many five-on-five goals than they gave up today, a little concerning. 
for a great team, the team that's supposed to be our best chance to win a championship. 